again, thanks for joining us, Dan. It's great to talk to you again sure. after so many yeah. years. Yes. Uh, hey, Dan, does, does uh, Fitz owe you any money or anything? Do we need to <laughs> discuss that right now? <laughs> we're, we're, we're square. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to the RC Roundtable. We are back, although not quite live like last time, but we are ready to go. And joining me is Lee Ray. Hello. And Terry Dunn. Hi there. And we got a very special guest star today, Dan Craig. Uh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I'm Fitz Walker. And since we're doing video this time, I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> TMI. You've been waiting two weeks to say that. Haven't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Dan, for joining us. Sure, you bet. Oh, cool. okay, awesome. Let me interject here. Fitz, it sounded like you said Dan Craig. Yeah, I was going to correct him too, but I was afraid Fitz would get all over me. No, no, no. Craig. Craig's okay. Either way. How, do you, how should I pronounce it? Craig or Craig? Craig. I usually, I usually say Craig, but it doesn't matter. So instead of Craig, it's Craig. <laughs> Yes, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so there's a hard G at the end. Now, now I'm going to talk about this because the AMA says pronounced Cray. Uh, like Cray Cray. It's just to confuse everybody. <laughs> Either way, I, I'm going to call you Don now. Reminds me of a story of uh, Lockheed. Uh, when I first started working for them, uh, they they told us that, or I read somewhere that it, it was actually pronounced. The way it was spelled, people kept pronouncing it Lughead. And so the Blackheed brothers changed the spelling of their name because they kept they got tired of being calling Lugheads. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it L O U G H H E E D? Yeah, phonetically it's it was pronounced you know, it would some people would pronounce it Lughead even though it was it was pronounced Lockheed. And so they changed it to be better phonetically. So yeah. <laughs> And of course I you know, somebody like me with a goofy name I should talk to, right? <laughs> Well, sometimes if people ask me to spell my name because it's too simple to spell, I usually say S U P E R G E N I U S. What? Yeah. <laughs> and that that usually gets a laugh, but I, I can't imagine why people always spell my last name wrong. It's just R A Y, guys. Not hard. R E I G H. Right. <laughs> they have done that. <laughs> I get interesting. I get interesting letters in the mail. So Dan Cray Egg. <laughs> is with us guys so we will learn more about dan uh shortly so i think we're gonna talk about some new, new models yeah so dan welcome to the show <laughs> that we massacred you. your name <laughs> all right we're first up uh i see i guess uh horizon hobbies has picked up the fms line of stuff and so we noticed that they have this nice little f18 super hornet 70 millimeter, it looks like the new model with the square inlets, which actually I kind of prefer the square inlets versus the rounded ones personally, but uh, it looks pretty nice. They've got it, it looks like they did a pretty decent job with the goofy landing gear that F-18s are known for, and it has rack, retracts, centerline tanks, and ordnance. Uh, I pulled up a flight video, and it looked pretty good, too, uh, for for something that runs off of a, oh, it's a 6S, I didn't notice that. Wow, that's pretty impressive for 70 mil, that's kind of unusual. Thoughts? Yeah, I like it. 
<laughs> there you go. We're done. Next one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it has Lee's approval. No. Oh, that's neat. No, I, I do. I like the square inlets too. Yeah, it looks gorgeous, actually. That's amazing ordinance. If, it, if I wonder if they drop <laughs> <laughs> with the plane. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I'm not. I've had some uh, a wooden uh, HET F18 in the past, and it's actually they flew really well. F18s are really good aerodynamically. Um, best I can tell. And this one looks from the flight video looks just as good as twelve blade EDF. Is it a bifurcated exhaust? Good question. Can you tell in the pictures? I couldn't really tell. Uh, let's poke around here. It looks like it is two separate tail cones. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. I don't well, know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But it's a thing. It's a thing. I guess it depends how well they do the ducting. Mm. But see, Fitz, you're you're an 80, 80, 90 millimeter guy. So is 17 just not enough? Do you need a bigger jet? No, they have their uses. It could be nice for a small jet to stick in a car and just kind of zip around, fly with low uh, low investment, as you can say, in the plane. Um a lot of times they may or may not have retractable landing gear, which is why I tend to go to the larger ones. But this one has retract, so that's really nice. One of my college roommates went on to become an F-18 driver. I should call him up and see what he thinks of this. Really? Wow. I think he flies for FedEx now, but anyway. Wait, F FedEx has an F-18? <laughs> <laughs> when you yeah, really, that... really, really need your package square. <laughs> he flies it like an F-18. <laughs> right, he probably does. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't know much else to say about it. Uh, what is it? it does look really nice. Looks like a really nice finish. Uh, yeah, I mean it's. I mean the camouflage works, right? Low visibility gray is low visibility gray. Well, yeah. So you don't want to fly this on a cloudy day. Yeah, it's funny. Whenever you see a model F eighteen, it's either usually low visibility gray or Blue Angels blue. There's none of the other paint schemes that sometimes they have or goofy stuff. Yeah. So there's no Barbie F-18? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> there may be a Tiger Meat one or something that's got a goofy colors. Yeah, and Canadians fly these things. They've got to have some neat stuff. Yeah, so. yeah big giant maple leaf on the top or something. There you go. Dan, are you an EDF guy? Uh, a little bit through the, uh, the Spaceship One models I was trying to do. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of surprised that it has the extras on there, like uh, retract and all that, for the size of the fan. But it sure looks nice, and the price looks great too. Yeah, was it two two sixty nine for plug and play? So, yeah. So yeah. it's just add battery and receiver. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but it is interesting. It uses a six S thirty three hundred for a seventy millimeter. That sounds like it's got a lot of horsepower yeah. packing into it. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking maybe five, but yeah, six is pretty hefty. Yeah, that's true. So it should be pretty sprightly. There is a video of it. It takes off and it goes level for about uh, 50 feet. And then he just pulls vertical very <laughs> aggressively. Uh, this is the model, not the real one. He's, I guess, emulating the real one, but it was, it was pretty impressive. Wow. Mm. I mean, I think when you put this in perspective, it's 0.8 meter, you know. 870 millimeters, and that's yeah. a 6S. I mean, you don't see that very often. No. Yeah, it's a battery pack with wings. 
Oh, there you go. It's a flying battery. Flying battery. <laughs> 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 it's not like my BD5 I have. <laughs> it's it's all battery, little stubby wings, big bulky fuselage, and it's just it's not much holding it up in the air. Oh, I've seen some hotliners like that because they shove five and <laughs> I think maybe even a six in there sometimes. Uh, the flying arc welders, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One hundred amps. Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the weak ones. Yeah, I told you the guy at Pierce got one that pulls 300 amps. Well, that's what I meant. <laughs> Only 100. Let me show you what I can do with oh, it. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to, trying to be sarcastic. I'm sorry to come out that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, next up is also from Horizon. We've got the, uh, something I didn't know was out until you guys mentioned it. The Mall M7. Uh, kind of a bush plane. Let's see. One and a half meter wingspan. Find and fly kind of looks like a, a bit like their what's their other one they have there the um, timber timber yeah kind of a squared off timber yeah and that's it, what I was going to say this genre seems to be getting saturated it's, it's a nice airplane but it's I don't know it's getting lost in the the crowd I guess this is for the anti timber people is there such a thing well they, they, they want a timber but they don't want a timber because everybody else has a timber so they're going to get something else it's like a timber but not a timber i see if that makes any sense it does <laughs> you know people some people just contrarian by nature yeah, i can appreciate that <laughs> now, and is it the same wingspan i forget how big the timber is oh, good Let's question that. i don't know i think they're about the same size anyway. 1.5 yeah they're they're the same. Same. 1.5 meters so this is a timber with a with a skirt or a timber with lipstick. Um, yeah. Wow, what a, okay. I would not write that review that way. <laughs> can can you get the timber with floats? Yes. Okay. They so may be the same floats. I wonder if they're the same. What do you mean? Are the floats the same? Yeah, I wonder if they're just the same oh. floats as the timber. They just you can put them on this or the timber. That could be. Would seem silly to make something completely different. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why this crossed my mind, but you know, it's it's a it's a stall aircraft, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> you know what what's missing now is JATO that just points straight down. So <laughs> if you <laughs> if you want to have a if you want a stall go straight up and take less runway, you just have one that just shoots you straight up out of the sky. Oh, like VTOL? take off <laughs> exactly. But it's but it's going to be jet or what? We had this right. discussion last time. Is it jet assisted or rocket assisted? So. We were talking about changing that wording. Oh, maybe you know, Dan. What is your opinion on that? Jet assist or rocket assist? Well, what's the application for this? We were well, talking about the Blue Angels. Hercules. We were talking about Fat Albert. They call yeah. it JADO, but it's actually rockets, and we couldn't figure out why. Uh, that's a great point. Yeah, I think technically radio would be the right way to say it. Huh. Well, we almost we actually have a rocket scientist with us, and we can't figure out JATO. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe back in the days, jet and rocket were just kind of synonymous, and the public didn't know the difference. I don't know. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go start a march. We got to change this. <laughs> it's got to be Rato, and I'm going to spell it R A Y T O, just to give myself some, some prominence there. Right. Well, we have that's... more ADD than usual today. We're talking about the mall. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I you, I was gonna say uh, I agree with Terry. There have been a lot of like timber like aircraft, and uh, I don't know if anybody makes it, but I've always I mean as far as stall aircraft, I I really like the Zenith 
uh, type aircraft. Have you seen those, the kit belts? Do you are, are you guys familiar with them? Like the uh, CH-701 or 750? It's a kit built stall. <sighs> is it, is it a bit like the now. Kit Fox? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, if I was to get, I mean, because you're right, it seems the market's inundated with a lot of of timber type aircraft. I mean, I know Hobby King was ones was very popular, but I mean, if if we're Who? going with that, uh, I've never heard of this company. <laughs> excuse me, I, uh, I don't know what just happened. Out of me. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Terry, you okay? Do we need to pause yeah, for? <laughs> no, I'm recovering. <laughs> a little gag reflex there. All right, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I, I kind of feel like it's uh, it's an idea. I mean, it looks the the plane looks nice. I mean, I'm not gonna. Just that. Yeah, yeah. The video of it, it flies really, really nice. It's it, the guy was doing uh, outside knife edges with it and all kind of nice stuff with it. So it, 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 obviously, it looks flies flies very, very well. Uh, there's nothing against its flying qualities. It's just... And I think that's probably the reason for the popularity of this kind of stuff now. They're just uh, good all around flyers. Yeah. Yeah, and for the size and that it's a bind and fly, it's got you know safe and AS3X. Uh, they are they good and you know. I, I bet these things are, are really nice. I wonder if, uh, what kind of motors on this thing. What does it take? Uh, three or four? It's a success. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? It's funny Dan said that because I was like, can you push a six in that bad one? <laughs> Let's keep this topic going. You can do anything once. <laughs> they're, they're saying uh, three to four S up to 3200. It's got a 10, 1050 kV motor, 40 amp speed controller. So it looks like you can push some good, pretty good power through it. I'd put a four in it. Yeah. Of course you would. <laughs> that's more. That's more you and Fitz thing to say. I'm. I'm the one who put the the P fifty one back down to a three. No. Well, yeah, that's true. Hmm. All right. So there you go. Well, let's talk uh, money here. How much do they want for this thing? Two seven. It's the same as the F eighteen. Yeah. 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 But honestly, I'd rather have this than the F eighteen. Yeah, this one is a bind and fly, so you have the receiver and AS3X electronics in it. Right. Yeah. It's hard to say if it's a, it's a, it's a better deal. It just depends on your taste. Yeah, it depends. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I'm not right. saying one's a better deal than the other, just this fits me better. Uh, I tend to think of EDFs as one-trick ponies. One-trick ponies? They go fast and look pretty. Yeah, they're, they're fast and shiny. <laughs> For the most part. True. Yeah, I've yeah. had... I've had plenty. Don't get me wrong, but so. it's like having a sports car, right? Well, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, but you don't want to take your sports car, you know, on a cross-country vacation. <laughs> or, or maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> you do if you're by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man! All right, Dan. You have two hundred seventy dollars. You get to pick one of these two planes. Which one do you pick? Well, Terry has a great point. <laughs> oh, wow. Terry Swain. <laughs> <laughs> Master you know, Just for a fun knockabout plan, I'd have to go with, the, you know, uh, with the mall. Um, but if I want to show off the, you know, the F-18 might be um, more impressive. But, I mean, just, you know, I actually have never flown on floats before. So a mall would be, be pretty cool to try that. Do they have water out where you live? Yeah, there's a little lake. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, it's, it's the desert, it's, right? We got lots, lots of sand, you know. Almost, yeah. almost got a beach. You can get some plastic and a garden hose, and <laughs> you guys did that at uh, the AMA Expo, right? Yeah, true. <laughs> and it snows there, doesn't it? Yeah, actually, just it just did snow recently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it floats work off of snow too. Huh. Wait, wait okay. what? It snowed? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. 
Are you guys pretty high up there? Uh, about 4,000 feet. Oh, okay. I yeah, see. they call it the high desert, if I remember correctly. Yeah, we're even higher than the high desert. We're up in the mountains. Oh, oh are you? Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, cool. Well, now, if I'm not mistaken, Dan, you've flown a sports car-ish airplane from one coast to the other. Did you know? Uh, are we getting I mean, into this conversation? <laughs> are we, uh, well, I mean, like, like a long easy, or what do you mean? I thought you flew your easy from from California to Maine. I did, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that's a heck of a wow. trip. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm probably getting too far ahead. We can come back to that. <laughs> sure. I was about to ask about in-flight snacks on that trip, but we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that one later. <laughs> All right, well, I guess... Um, I don't know. Do we have anything else to say about this thing other than it's... Uh... Did, did we say anything? It was like... <laughs> <laughs> it's an airplane. It's got big goofy wheels. It flies. Okay. Well, let's point this out. It's a foamy, but it's got windows and cockpit detail. So that's something unique about that's it. Actually oh, that's actually a good point. I was going to say, that's a win for Terry. I know he's a stickler on having windows. Yeah. yeah. Am I? I didn't think yeah, I was a are. stickler about anything. I think... Well, you, you laid heavily into the Cessna 150 when it came oh, out. Oh, because... Without... The... Yeah, okay, but that's a huge airplane, and they couldn't be bothered to put some windows in it. But yeah, that is kind of goofy. But, do you yeah. sense the tense? <laughs> you get me all yeah. riled up again. <laughs> hey, I even see a pilot figure in the picture. Well, there you go. All right. Hmm. Oh, another win. Yeah, but you got a good point. I didn't understand why they have that big uh, Z-Cub, and it's got you know, no windows. Just black. It's for such a big plane. But hey, they have the reasons, I guess. Because that's why they made hot knives. <laughs> I'd love to know if anybody's ever actually cut the windows out of their big Cessna. I'm going to predict no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> be interesting to find out. Yeah, even if I had one, I would. You know, I wouldn't do that. No. You say that now. No, I'm 100% confident in that. Okay. Now, you know, I, I'm going to touch on this just because I can. But Fitz, Fitz and I both have Grand Cruisers. They're foamy little Cessna 310s, or right? 310s? Yeah. And and they have windows. But you know what's sticking out of the window in my Cessna? Oh. Or my Grand Cruiser? Yeah. A battery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the battery goes right up through they the go windshield. right through the front windshield. <laughs> it's like, who thought of this? Whose idea I gotta, was that? I need to decorate my battery with a little person or something. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes windows aren't the best. No. Thing to have. <laughs> we need a, a body-shaped battery. It has, you know, shoulders and a head and arms. It's all shaped like that. A lipo Barbie. <laughs> yeah. Ken, Ken is sporting the new 5S 3300. <laughs> all right. I think we <laughs> I think it's time to move on. We're, we're going off, way off on tangents here. Uh, okay. I guess the last thing is it was the best of swap meets. It was the worst of swap meets. I guess we have a tale of two swap meets, right? Uh, I had one, and was it no three or two? Me and Terry, right? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> I'm screwed it up, aren't I? And Fitz <laughs> is on his third cup of coffee. Yes. So we had two swap meets over last weekend. Terry had one his up north, and I had our local club one down here. And um, uh, I think Terry's had a much better event than ours. Ours was okay, but it was pretty small i think because 
something was going on the same weekend or something and people couldn't make it as much of a crowd as normal but it was okay i, I did sell off a couple planes which i meant to do uh a third plane ended up just being swapped somebody traded me at the last minute says hey i want to trade you this for this and i said well okay uh at least the plane i traded for is smaller and easier to store so kind of it's a it's a tactical victory <laughs> uh but uh terry you had a actually it sounds like a actually more interesting event than i did well it did but i wanted to ask you about the jsc event yeah and kind of what's the overall vibe there now the last time i was there it was pretty much a give your airplane away for a couple dollars kind of swap meet it was very seller friendly but not very buyer or excuse me buyer friendly not very seller friendly um uh yeah that's a good question mm, i don't know i don't know how to answer that because you know people have their own prices for stuff i i did get talked down a little bit on a price on one something so i guess it is still somewhat buyer friendly okay. uh, i think in general a lot of the guys in the club tend to be pretty generous with a lot of their okay. prices anyways just naturally i think just a their personalities um so yeah there were some pretty good deals to be had um the club president mike liable as you know he picked up a p51 for a steal from another club member uh and i don't think much haggling was going on in that he just so uh, i think it maintains its its, its reputation is pretty buyer friendly okay well that's good it's nice to have those events so you can kind of restock your workshop yeah 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 so the event I went to was the Canandaigua um, Sky Chief Swap Meet and Auction, and I wasn't quite sure what to think about it. And they held it at a an auction house. I guess there's a lot of uh, antiques around that area. And when I drove up, the parking lot was absolutely full. So I'm like, wow, oh, they must be doing antique auctions today too. But no, everybody was there for the RC stuff. And there was just a ton of people there. I was really surprised. And I ran into listeners, uh, Christopher Breams and David O'Brien, got to uh, uh, shake hands with them and say hi. And I sold a bunch of stuff. I took a bunch of stuff and I sold all but three things. And I wasn't planning to buy anything, but I bought some stuff. I got some cool new projects. I think I'm like the old lady who can't turn away a stray cat. <laughs> when, when, it, <laughs> when I see a, an old RC plane in need, I have to take it home. And the more destitute and dusty, the better. Hmm. So I, I brought uh, some basket cases, but they'll hmm. be up and flying soon. Hmm. I'll post pictures of them. So uh -huh. I got a one I've wanted for a long time, the Northeast Sailplanes Vermont Bell, which is a nice kind of a Spitfire looking sport model made in Czech Republic. They had one there that it's kind of weird because the fuselage looks like it's brand new, but the wings and tail feathers have obviously been glued to something before so i think maybe it was crashed and they bought a replacement fuselage and just never put it back together so yeah i'll give that some tlc and have her prettied up so it's a, it's a minor franken plane <laughs> um well all the original parts are there I'm, they're not necessarily out of the same box but yeah i've got the basics i'll have to add landing gear and some other stuff but yeah the the, the core of it's there and what else did I buy? I bought a, um, oh, a UMX Mosquito, but it was pretty hacked up. I'm just pulling the gear out of that, and I'll build something for it. And I bought, 
what else? Oh, uh, do you guys remember the old Wright Flyer that Great Plains used to make? Electric-powered yeah. guy? Yeah, okay. with NICADs and brush motors and all that. Yeah, got one of those for 10 bucks. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to hose it down before I can start on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's got dust on and in everything. But I couldn't say no. So uh, I'm not going to upgrade brushless, but I'll probably go LiPo on it and, uh, and see how it flies. Apparently, it flew really well even with the NICAD. So I expect mm. good things with you know, losing a couple yeah. ounces. It should be interesting. Yeah. Success. 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 Right fire that can hover. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I was really good. I didn't buy anything except for a tape gun. A tape gun? Yeah. A tape dispenser gun? A tape dispenser gun thing, yeah. For a packing tape. Okay. One of the club members was selling one for like five bucks, and I actually kind of needed one. You so. passed on the kitchen sink? I passed it on the kitchen sink. I don't know why you had it there, but so, he had it. I see, was it. Pogo stick, moved. tape dispenser. I'll take the tape dispenser. <laughs> Didn't you move into a new house like a year ago? How do you not have a tape dispenser? I do. I needed another one. Oh, okay. It's a long story. <laughs> he's doing it two-handed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot. The, the other airplane I got is actually ready to fly. It's a little bit ugly just because, uh, I don't know, it looks like the paint has yellowed. But it's one of those fantasy racers. I think some people call them a GBR3. Huh. Kind of a, you know, what if the GBs were still around today. Just a very curvy-looking racer-type thing. Oh, that's one of the elliptical wings on it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, this is... I, I don't know who makes this kit, but it was a, a bind-and-fly. It's got some no-name uh, Spectrum clone and then all the servos and stuff. So I just put a 3S battery in it, and it should be ready to fly. And if I like it, I'll throw some paint on it. Hmm. Neat. So, and according to the guy I bought it from, it's also compatible with 4S, but we'll... We'll take baby steps and get there. <laughs> now, Dan, you're kind of out in the sticks. Do you guys have much for swap meets uh, in your area? That kind of stuff? You know, I'm not really plugged into the local RC scene much. Uh, there's there's a huge you know club that flies at the Van Nuys Sepulveda Basin down there. Ah. How um, far away is that? Yeah, how far is that? About an hour and a half, two hour drive from where I am. Mm. Okay. No, isn't there a local club there also? Uh, there is, there's one in town that's kind of picked up speed. It's, it's kind of supported by a lot of the, the uh, guys at uh, Scale Composites. Yeah, you would think there's a, a pretty big crowd of people who are airplane nuts around there. Actually, there are, yeah. 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 Not necessarily that organized, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> I want to go to the Scale Composite swap meet. <laughs> <laughs> I bet I could find some really cool stuff at that swap meet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, huh. I have to sign a waiver and all that jazz. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Well, you know, I'm, I've I have a huge shop. Four can hold about four or five cars stuffed full of models. And in the old days, we used to make our own lithium batteries before they were really on the market. There was a. Sorry, maybe I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But keep going. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, no, it's called a teaser, so you're gonna mm. make them want more. Okay. <laughs> but there's a lithium battery factory going out of business up in the Bay Area, so uh, went up and bought ten thousand dollars worth of like like boxes and boxes and boxes of single cell lithium batteries. Wow. And uh, brought them back to the house, and there was a, a um, electric electric engineer guy out of out of work, so I I had him soldering together some of the first packs that were ever on the market. 
Is that when the tabs were aluminum? Yes. They were wow. impo- impossible to figure out how to get them to join. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next problem is trying to find chargers for them. I mean, everybody takes this for granted today. But back then, we were one of the first guys in the market. And so I still have, where I'm he- hitting is that I have two, about two boxes full of these lithium batteries that I don't know what to do with anymore. <laughs> so I, I just took them to scale composites, put them on the floor, and hoping like security or, or you know, the, the hazardous waste people aren't going to notice and <laughs> I get in trouble. But I was hoping somebody's going to grab them before I could, you know. So we'll see. Craigslist. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what's the discharge rate on those guys? I, they're like first generation. They're I, I, good question. They're probably half C. I don't know. Kind of like yeah. early co-cams or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. A 3s 10p for your park flyer. <laughs> <laughs> I remember doing stuff like that, taking individual cells and wiring up my own packs and making series parallel just to get something yeah. useful. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was already used to doing that for my Nikads, so I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Well, uh, on that note, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Ha! And we're back. Uh, uh, now, I, I want to make sure I do this introduction quite right here. Uh, as if you were listening to the first segment, you heard some, some a couple of key words about our guest. And you're probably wondering, hey, wait a minute. So, yes, <laughs> our guest, uh, Dan Craig, uh, he's known for working at Scale Composites, and that's the very famous company that worked on uh, lots of interesting stuff, including the uh, Spaceship One and White Knight, and now Spaceship Two, and uh, partnered with Richard Branson in his version Galactic. And um, I, I had the pleasure of meeting Dan quite a few times in the past. It's been some years, but we crossed paths a few times back when I used to work out in California. And uh, Dan is a longtime modeler, and uh, he was uh, very generous. He actually gave me a tour of the scale composites facilities some years ago and i'll never forget that dan i really appreciate it that was one of the great things uh, uh I, I did out there excellent uh, and uh when i want to get this right you have a background in aerospace and mechanical engineering mm-hmm. that's correct yep. and uh, of course you're a long time rc modeler yep and uh, still, i still i guess you still do some rc modeling when you can i do yes oh awesome now he lives out in uh Tetra, Tetra Hopi? It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bless you. Nobody can spell it. Tehachapi. Tehachapi, California. Just Don't north touch of... me, California. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch me. Don't touch my mustache, California. Uh, which is just north of Mojave, Mojave Desert, and where uh-huh. Scale Composite is located. And that's a really yeah. neat place. If you ever go out to the airport where Scale Composite is located, it's a big boneyard for airliners and such, and you never know what you see out there. Yep. Uh, I remember walking out there one time, just goofing off, and um, I was looking through the fence, and on a on a tarmac was a Japanese Zero, a real Zero, not a fake one. Yeah, and that's you know like whoa, and there was 109. It turns out, I guess it's a Chino uh, Museum has an auxiliary 
uh, hangar out there or something like that, if I remember correctly? Uh, it was Santa Monica's, yeah. Oh, Santa Monica, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, and at one point, I think I was able to go and look around. Uh, and that was, they had, I guess, a restoration facility or something up there. It was some neat to see some really uh, yep. authentic warbirds that they have out there. That was really fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Dan, um, uh, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. I'm glad uh, one to get to talk to you again after s- some years, and, and uh, I, we think you're one of the interesting personalities in the modeling, <laughs> and and actually kind of unique, in, not unique, but unusual that you're both RC modeler and have a play in designing state of the art real aircraft and, mm. I, and spacecraft. Spacecraft, yeah. So this is really a trifecta. Uh, so, uh, I guess at first, give us a little background about yourself. Uh, how long have you been modeling and, and some of the things you've, uh, done in the, in the past, uh, as growing up as a young Dan? Okay. Uh, well, yeah, thanks for the great introduction, Fitz. Um, yeah, just one of those kids that was obsessed with, you know, airplanes since I can remember. Um, I, I thought it was relatively normal, but now that I have my own kid who's 13, I, I think he's normal, and I was the one that was, was kind of crazy. <laughs> but, You're in a safe place. <laughs> but, but, I mean, I was so, well, I remember like in fourth grade getting paper airplanes banned at the school because I was so obsessed with making everything <laughs> paper airplane. You ruined it for everybody else? Well, kind of, yeah. They, they, they just banned paper airplanes. <laughs> Yes. They call it the Dan rule. That's <laughs> <laughs> no. when, when I realized that one's obsession could be kind of contagious to other people. So I yeah, had a whole army of little kids making paper airplanes. <laughs> and then uh, fifth grade, they got smarter and gave us the designated only paper airplane spot. Oh, that's good. All so right. that worked. And then sixth grade, I started making uh, more sophisticated paper airplanes, which were the the white wings. Oh, yeah. Models. I was, I, was, I was obsessed with those. And had my mom on the assembly line making, you know. So, mom, that goes there. That one goes here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she was very good. Uh, and I uh, took them to school and was selling them, and the, the principal put an end to that. Um, <laughs> you had an interesting relationship with your school uh, staff, huh? <laughs> so, yeah, here comes Dan again. Yeah. Um, but then. <laughs> <laughs> the paper airplane uh, mob boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I was lucky enough to grow up with two local hobby shops with um, you know, mentors that worked there. So they, they worked me through the, the natural evolution of stick and tissue and then control line and then eventually RC and they, you know just do the recommendations. It was, I was so lucky to have those kind of people. Hmm. Uh, um, and then uh, you know, graduated into RC flying in high school. And I was just, it was just a complete obsession. Um, one of the, I guess, interesting stories, but while I was in high school, we had uh, a couple of people, a couple of guys running for student body president. One of them was a, was a total nerd that I liked. And the other one was a more popular kind of jock kind of, kind of guy. And I was actively flying a, a sweet stick with a 40 on it at that time. And he asked if there's something that I could do to help advertise. So as, Kids were, were walking out of the assembly, listening to their speeches. I quietly, off, off to the side in the grass field, took off with my, my sweet stick 40 with a big banner towing behind it that had his name. 
Ingenious. <laughs> it, <laughs> I like the way you think. Awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. And, Vote and for it, Pedro. Well, exactly. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so I, I towed this thing over the high school with kids walking around. I mean, today that'd be regarded as completely dangerous and, and irresponsible. We call it a terrorist. Well, people would need their their uh, what do you call it, their safe zone. Safe spaces. <laughs> <laughs> but back then, I got away with it. So I, I I towed it over the school and. And it came back and landed and packed it up real quietly and drove off. <laughs> really and, fast. He, he, and my nerd friend ended up winning the election. So, you took full kickbacks. credit for that. <laughs> I'm sorry? The what? I said you took full credit for that. <laughs> Advertising win. <laughs> yeah. And then what was what was also strange is the, the administration didn't realize how dangerous that was. So they asked me to fly a, a banner at the, at the high school graduation. <laughs> See that crowd of thousands of people over there? Yeah, go fly over them. Well, yeah, exactly. It was crazy. So, and vindication. And happiness. So it was, it was my graduation, and I remember starting the the gas engine, and I I got you know the gown has long sleeves, and I got it caught in the prop. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so so I had a you know it was all chopped up. But I had a you know just got, you know. This is like throwing a rag in the prop, so I've got to start this it again. This story needs an illustration. This is great. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know how they do that sometimes? They interview people, and then they do a little cartoon illustration. I'd love this piece right here to be illustrated. This is awesome. Hey, hey did the banner say paper airplanes rule? <laughs> no, it was just this graduation, graduation 79, so giving away my age now. But, uh, but took off on the grass field, and everything was going you know, really well, just towing it over the crowd, and all the parents are coming in in their cars. And the, but what I didn't expect is that now they're parking all the cars in my in my landing spot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that the, my little area's getting really, really tight. And uh, at that point, I was just I was more than happy to just trying to squeak it in somewhere without hitting anything. Um, but the way the banner worked, by the way, is, is uh, uh, I could release the banner at uh, f- at full idle and full trim, and it release the banner because I can't land with the banner. So, but anyway, I was able to squeak it in and everything went really, really well and, and nobody knew the difference. (laughs) (laughs) So at that age, did you get nervous flying in front of people like that? That's a great question. Um, I've noticed that phenomena where even like, like, you know, fully mature adults are are shaking on the transmitter. Right. Um, I've been doing enough of that that no, I was getting gradually more comfortable and more comfortable. Yeah, it was. Um, I, well, I guess the side line was side uh, story was in, in high school physics. They asked if somebody wanted to do a senior project for extra credit, and I, I stood up and said, "Well, I think I can do a, a radio, radio control blimp, which is pretty usual, unusual for for seventy nine." Sure. And uh, and the kids kind of laughed, and the teacher said, "Yeah, okay, whatever." And so I started working on it, and I. I got to the point where I, re- I had confidence that I could, could make an RC blimp. It was with old orbit gear back then. <laughs> you know, not, not much was very, very light. Um, and the solution was to just take one of those eight foot diameter weather balloons and wrap a plastic band around it to make it into a sort of a hot dog. Wait, hold on. You said that like an eight foot weather balloon is a common thing. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> is it around where you grew up? It's, it's like a novelty shop. You know, you could, you could walk in and buy this huge, you know, it's kind of strange, but you could buy a, huh. a big uh, eight-foot diameter um, weather balloon. Yeah, interesting. I never knew about that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was trying to make my own envelopes, but it was impossible to get it to seal. You know. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was the easy way out, and hung gear below it, and 
And uh, I was late for my uh, the deadline on the physics project, but the teacher was he's an old Lockheed engineer, which is kind of cool. In, in those oh, days, yeah. you had old you know engineers teaching high school. You had you know survivors from World War II teaching. You know, so it's, I think the teachers back then were a lot more interesting. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. Yeah, but um, no, he liked it, and he uh, gave me ex- ex- gave me credit anyway. He was late. It was, in, it was in the local paper, and it was, it was pretty fun. So, so was that your first experience with electric power? Actually, it was. Yeah, good question. Yeah, it was an old Astro 20, I think, or something. Oh, wow. You went straight to the top. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing was, um, you can edit this out, I guess, but one thing was interesting I discovered about that. I had the normal elevator in the back that pitched pitch the attitude of the blimp to climb. But, and I thought that would work. But the downforce on the elevator is actually greater than the than the thrust vector trying to push it up, so it would it pitch pitch up, but it would go down. <laughs> oh wow! So I ended I'm up. Just, picture that. So, so it, where was the motor located? Is in the is in the middle, um, okay. hanging on a pod that was kind of um, hanging below the the the, the, um, the envelope. Okay. And it's blowing on the tail in the back. Uh-huh. Um, so, but when it pitched up the the downforce on the elevator in the back was was, was a greater force than uh, than uh, pitching it up. Interesting. Interesting. So the tail would drive down. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up. Uh, so I changed the configuration to put the what was sort of the eleva- elevator now right behind the prop. So now it's it's just sort of a, a, a direct translation up or down. It wasn't pitching. Right. Uh, and that worked. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, anyway. All right. Um, yeah, after that, uh, college and in college, I was so busy. I didn't really have time for models. Um, but they, they were, uh, I remember they had a hovercraft in college that they were trying to recover with uh, Seconite and nobody, nobody, you know, all the other engineering students had no idea what Seconite was or how to dope it or anything, but so, so, so you put on your cape. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. I got this. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> but, I, but I was a freshman, so all the seniors got to fly it, so. Oh, <laughs> um, and then, um, then through college, I got e- enamored with uh, Bert Rutan watching what he was doing, and then bought his Moldus, con- you know, Moldus composite construction book that you can get through Aircraft Spruce. And I was dying to do something with composites, with the fiberglass or whatever. Uh-huh. And um, our school kind of got big into the human-powered uh, the vehicles that you pedal. Sure. With the full streamlined, you know, and canopy and everything. Mm. I thought that was pretty cool. So I went to the first meeting, and they wanted to do a steel frame with a, with a removable composite shell. And I said, well, why not make it up? Since you have to make the shell anyway, why not make it monocoque, make, make it structural? And they said no. So then I went off on my own and built my own my own bike using making a monocoque fiberglass shell and raced against my own school at the so it's kind of funny, you know, when you see the program that they have their whole team of all the people that are on on their team, and then you get to my my little you know portion of the program, and it says you know Dan Craig writer builder, you know, so. <laughs> producer writer director, editor, <laughs> <Janitor>. key grip <laughs> producer. Yeah. So, so how did you do compared to theirs? Go, um, see, I beat them on static display because it was really nice looking uh, trike. Um, they beat me on the the uh, road race, and I beat them on top speed. Um, Did they have some sort of bike rider in their group? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, I beat them on speed since it was a real clean f- fairing. 
Mm. Um, one crazy thing, though, is a friend of mine who's doing a doctorate on rear seared, rear seared stability for cars talked me into making it rear seared. And uh, it was so it was so hard to. Put. <laughs> <laughs> it had no stability. Was, it, yeah, it was really. Uh, it's, it, I ended up rolling it upside down through the speed trap at thirty-eight miles an hour. Oh, with you inside? Yes, yes. I remember all the gravel up against the, the canopy, just hoping that it's not going to shatter in front of my face. Oh, jeez. But um, but it was because of that damage that I didn't do well in the road race the next day. Oh man. Oh man. But next, but the next year I made it uh, front wheel steering, and uh, my speed got up to forty-two miles an hour on, on level ground and with no wind. Wow! Wow! So it's cruising. That was really fun. Anyway. <laughs> wow, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, that, that, that man. It's funny how uh, a lot of us modelers sort of have similar beginnings. I think um, we had a previous guest touch on that, and uh, where you know we, we we tinker with paper airplanes, balsa models to. to the rubber band power stuff, dope and tissue control line. Right. Seems like we, we all started kind of young with that interest, and I think it seems like there's a there's an age where I guess our brains just click, and this is really grabs us and, and, and gives us a purpose in life for a really good several years in our youth. Uh, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. those those are rough rough years as a kid, and you know model airplanes clearly kept me out of trouble and kept me occupied and learning skills and and then you know yeah that's a good point you know while a lot of my other friends were off making trouble i was in my basement building model airplanes and yes doing that kind wait of stuff. making trouble <laughs> Let's keep, keep adding that there <laughs> yeah. my 13 year old keeps out of trouble but he's on the computer all the time so i don't know well yeah we got video games to play yeah. kids now i guess yep games. <laughs> um all right well hey um one thing. Hold on, I have a question, okay. if I may. So you talked about your um, that you were following Bert Rutan. At some point, you started working for him. How long was that after you graduated, and how did that come about? Yeah, okay, that's a good question. Um, let's see. Once I get out of school, um, I, I sort of had a um, um, I wanted to help America get back into space kind of attitude, uh-huh. and so I went to work for Aerojet uh, locally in Sacramento all the time watching, you know, Bert Rutan, what he was doing. And I was, I was, even though I was, you know, I, I totally loved airplanes and models and everything. I was, I was too intimidated to apply to, to Bert or scale composites, thinking that th- those guys had to be, you know, geniuses. And, but the longer I was working at the old aerospace company, the, the more I realized I'm just a number. I'm not going to make a difference. They're just a slow, lethargic kind of aerospace company. I love the people that worked there because they're old, you know, managers that survived the Apollo days, so they're amazing. But it's just I, I had to leave. So um, I guess real real quickly, um, driving back to LA, I passed Mojave. I stopped in at Scale Composites, asked if they're hiring. They said, "Yeah, we're looking for somebody to do structural analysis on with composites." I said, "Okay." So go back home. A friend of mine gets me a bootleg copy of a. A structural analysis a finite element program <laughs> so so i uh, i study that for um, a few weekends trying to learn how to do it and do a real crude model of one of scales airplanes um, i'm kind of an artist too so i can i can create things that look pretty good and so i drew it on the computer and analyzed it and then i reapplied or just applied to scale now with a resume that says i, I have experience doing structural analysis and uh and so they ended up calling me in 
or said you have an interview interview you know set up i said okay great and uh they were going to fly me down from sacramento and they already bought the ticket and i finally realized you know i, I got a big dodge van and i have lots of model airplanes i think i'm going to load up all these model airplanes in my van and uh and drive to my interview so i so i called the secretary up and says i'm, I'm sorry but I, I think i'm going to drive and she got she's pretty mad she said well we've already bought these tickets for you and i guess we're just going to eat the tickets and i said well <laughs> I, I think it's really important that i drive my van down full of model airplanes <laughs> <laughs> So, so I, I show up at the interview, and uh, Bert Rutan interviewed me, and and Chuck Ritchie, the other, the chief engineer. And so, how big an operation was it at that point? Yeah, good question. Well, there's only about sixty employees. Oh, okay, that's but, more than I would have guessed. Did, now, now, did you know ahead yeah. of time that Rutan was a big model airplane guy in his past? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and a new. As the setting, as, I was reading as much as I could about Bert, you know. Um, so I, yeah, I knew that he was a model guy, and I figured I, that would be a, a good plus for me. You know, um, there were only about eight or nine, nine engineers there, too. So Okay. Yeah. You know, so when I, I showed up for the interview, it became pretty quickly obvious to both uh, Bert and the other, other guy that I didn't have a lot of structural experience, you know. Um, but, you know, I remember sitting in the room with Bert, and Bert says, you know, he, he was, he was studying, me, studying me pretty closely, and he asked, so, uh, are you married? <laughs> <laughs> and I knew that was an illegal question, but I knew I had the right answer at the time, and I said, right. no, no, not married. And he says, well, okay, I, I mean, he kind of apologized. The reason I'm asking is sometimes we require a lot of overtime, and if make sure that's not going to be a problem. And I said, no, no, that's fine. And, well, see, Dan, uh, in the version of in the version of your story that I'm thinking about, see, the question he asked was, "Weren't you the guy I saw riding a bike that was rear wheel driven and you skated across the finish line? I was there that day. That guy inspired me, which is why I brought you here today." <laughs> no, it wasn't that version. No. Ah, oh. <laughs> I like that or, version better. <laughs> or are you the guy that almost crashed into my car with that banner tool? <laughs> <laughs> They've been keeping an eye on you. <laughs> But, but, you know, I, I did bring that uh, tricycle down with me for the interview. It was, it was in the van also. See? <laughs> See, look at that. I'm, I'm so close to the real <laughs> you story. It up, <laughs> and what was funny is that the shape is pretty complicated. And they said, they asked, well, well you, how did you make this? And I said, well, I, I used your moldless, moldless construction booklet. And he said, really? You made this without molds? And I said, well, you guys are the, are the masters. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you beat them at their own game, so to speak. Kind of, it's kind of funny to me. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what did your resume say? C van. Just meet me outside. Just, just about. Yeah, yeah. yeah meet me outside yeah. in the van. That that's going to go over well, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Free candy. But I overheard Bert say, "Well, I wanted to. I want to hire somebody that has the, the fire in their eyes, that the motivation. You know, rather than um, clear clear experience, I'll, I'll go with. I'll, I'll go with the uh, enthusiasm." So wow, and you had buckets of that. Yeah, well, and I was told I was an experiment because I was coming out of an aerospace company and not straight out of school. Ah, uh, okay. They, they they prefer uh, straight out of school so they can kind of mold them the way they want, you know. Right. You already had the stench of the. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it worked out. Yeah, and even to to this day, I'm 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 impressed. The skilled hires a lot of kids right out of school. You were That's a good cool. payoff. <laughs> so far, yeah. yeah, I didn't realize you had such a long history with scale composites. Uh, almost thirty years now. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow. Well, what's what's it been like working with uh, Burt Rutan? Such a, such a sort of well-known sort of semi demi celebrity kind of thing. Um. And don't start off like he's like every other guy. <laughs> Come on, I'm like a lot of people's eyes are glassed over right now, waiting for you to tell the story about him. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Bert's certainly intense. I mean, Scale Composites is Bert Rutan. It was back then. You know, um, I mean, I don't. I mean, frankly, I feel completely spoiled in that you know you're working with a manager that's clearly competent and. Uh, you know, pretty much his, his judgment is generally, you know, really, really good. Um, Did you ever have to tell him he didn't know what he was talking about? <laughs> Usually that would take a, a whole team of engineers to do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go, guys. Him. Everybody ready? <laughs> We're going in the meeting. Point <laughs> intervention. Stick to your guns. we gotta, we got a script here. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because Bert's so you know, charismatic and so persuasive, and, and it's, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to sway him. Right. Now, has he retired from Scale Composites? About six years ago, yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. All right, so forget about Bert. Let's talk more about Dan. <laughs> yeah, Bert, Bert Schmart. Okay, Rocket Spaceship. What, well, tell, uh, us about, yeah, tell us well, about your work, Dan. Let's. I want to hear, like, I, I mean, I know uh, for me, I want to hear more about Spaceship One, and especially because I, before we started this conversation, I shared that photo of a, a photo of you with an RC version of it. So I don't know how you want to start with it, but uh, I'd love to, I'd like to hear that story. Um, the picture you're talking about is with the, with the mothership and the spaceship on the ground. Yeah, that's it. I have a picture, and I'll share this on our Facebook page. But there's a picture of you with that little mock-up of it, and you know, it's a great tie-in to RC and how you make real things work by you know experimenting first. Yeah, no, there's a long history of, of model activity with me and Scaled, uh, for you know a lot of different stories for sure. Um, and yeah, the, the uh, I think the picture you're talking about is the one you sent to me, right? Uh, with yes. it sitting on the ground. Okay, because this this. There's about four yes. or five different Spaceship One models. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It was just the picture. I Just to let people know, I was at uh, Oshkosh last year, and I visited the Scale Composite Forum and uh, listened into the the stuff there. Boy, it was a lot of RC. Did you know that? I mean, I don't know if you were there, uh, but it was a great thing because your IFO was, was on the table there. Yeah. <laughs> in the yeah, background. Yeah. yeah uh, but it, there was a lot of talk about uh, RC in this uh, event. So it was really neat to, to talk about how what you, you guys have a show. I mean, you guys, <laughs> you guys do a lot of flying on the side. But the photo I'm, I'm talking about is yes, you're, you're at, uh, at the controls of a, a model spaceship one in the mothership. Yeah. What was kind of unique about that? Well, at the back of, I mean, the model was developed for an attempt at routine RC models. Uh, so that's where that came from. And what was unique about that particular model is that the you know, the white knight is really a glider, and the the spaceship one is the one is the one that has the uh, 60, 69 millimeter you know, ducted fan uh, tied to it. And so that was the that was the only thrust source of the two models joined together. So once the the, the spaceship drops away, then the, then the mothership just glides back to a landing. Oh, <laughs> kind of a reverse uh, a carrier yeah. kind of thing. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's Bert's idea actually. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, can you say no? We're not doing that. <laughs> well, see, you know that's the problem. Sometimes, well, I shouldn't say, say this, but if you, when you ask for Bert's ideas, sometimes you're stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's happening. So, not all home runs. 
Yeah, but this, uh, that is a brilliant idea in this case. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. Now, now, we should note that you had a kind of pivotal role in the development of the Spaceship One in regards to the um, development of the, I call it the thermalizer, the way the tail swings up uh, right. to uh, increase drag for reentry. Right. And I, from what I read, and you can tell if this is right or wrong, that there was some adult that it would actually work in a full-scale aircraft. And it was your idea to build a model of it to prove the design. Did I, what, what did I get right and wrong on that? No, 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 that's good. That's good. Um, when, this, when Spaceship One is first introduced to the company, well, first off, you know, we asked, we're asking, what makes you think that we can build a spaceship? You know, we've built all these, you know, you know subsonic you know, airplanes, and suddenly we're, Bert wants to go, you know, Mach 3 and, you know, into space. And so it, it took a while for Bert to, to you know, to get, um, to give us enough confidence, but 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 the way he laid out the plan, real systematically, is like okay, okay, we, I get each one of these little steps, and I think we can do it, you know. But but uh, in the beginning of Spaceship One, it was like a, it was being regarded as like, as like a total top secret program. I mean, you, you couldn't tell anybody, you couldn't tell friends, you couldn't tell you know family. Um, it's but it's so secret, and so as we're we're kind of going along with the program. As a model guy, I I couldn't help myself. I just got to build the damn model, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's, you know, you. I mean, the, the model audience can probably appreciate this. Where, you know, I build the model and I and I fly the model. And I feel like I'm the first guy that ever got to fly this. <laughs> you know, Wait, boy. You know, it's a kind yeah. of way, way ahead of everybody else. Here's a new model. It's just there's some a certain amount of satisfaction. It's just so so I built. Um, actually, the model, the way I chose to build it was kind of interesting. It was, it was almost like a stick and tissue, but instead of sticks, it was carbon rods. Instead of tissue, it was the ripsop. Because I was, I was in the middle of producing the IFOs, and, and that seemed like a really robust way of building an airframe that I expect to crash a lot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah think positive. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, you know. So, so, so I built the airframe. It's a little bit floppy, but and I couldn't quite get it to fly right. So I, I just, you know, I secretly flew it, of course, and then so I put it, I hid it in my closet, you know, in the bedroom, just, just, just to kind of forget about it for a little bit. Uh, but it's, you know, the, we're building Spaceship One, and we're getting pretty close to doing the first flight tests, where the pilots have to take, to take it up and, and exercise the, what you call the dethermalizer, de which is pretty accurate. It's a, we, we call it the feather, where the wings, the wing, it kind of folds in half. So now you got the, the tail sticking, you know, sticking up in the air. It folds along the span. It folds along the span of the wing, yeah. yeah. And then the, the, tail, the tail booms are attached at the wing tips, so the booms go up with the part of the wing that pivots up. It's kind of hard, hard to describe, but it, it creates a configuration like a, like a stable shuttlecock in badminton. So it'll, it'll orient itself at, in, you know, from any attitude in a real stable, stable you know, configuration or stable um, position or attitude. But anyway... A plane's never been built like this that folds in half, you know. And you know, I, not on purpose, anyway. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> right. What a unique feature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I can see the people on the back row above my head now. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I think the world of our test pilots. I mean, they're, they're way more courage than I could ever have. But and you could tell, I could sense the tension though, and it's like. I wouldn't say they were scared, but they were curious. 
<laughs> apprehensive? <laughs> apprehensive, that's a good I, one. I like yeah. how we went from scared to curious. <laughs> like, that's the span of the two choices. I'm curious <laughs> if this airplane is going to kill me. <laughs> so, it, you know, it motivated me to pull the model out of the closet. And then and this time I got it to fly really well. Really nicely. And uh, so then I, next day I bring it into scale. I walk past Bert's office and say, Bert, you might want to see this model fly. And Bert says, you know, bring it back here. Let me take a look at it. And he's, you know, it's, it's, because it's carbon rods, it's a little bit flexible. And he said, it's not going to fly. It's too flexible. And I said, well, it flew okay yesterday. <laughs> so, so, so we go, go out on the ramp. Bert launches it for me. I go up and do the full feather, recover, land. And it's like, Bert got so excited. He runs over, shakes my hand. You know, and says, wait right here and let me get all the test pilots lined up so they can witness this, you know, fly. <laughs> so, so that, um, wait, you said, you said you got the test pilots together. Uh, Bert, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bert got all the test pilots to come okay, out. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I'm trying to imagine myself as a test pilot as someone shows me an airplane where the wings fold in half, <laughs> saying, we want you to try this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was exactly the problem. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. I'm sorry. Continue. So the, the four test pilots are lined up. Um, you know, Brian Binney, Doug Shane, Mike Melville, and um, Piece of Old. Um, so I go d- demonstrate, you know, do the full feather again, land, recover land. And uh, and it's, it's like Bert turns to them and says, see, I told you it would work. <laughs> <laughs> and then another kind of funny story was there was a an aerodynamics professor contacted Bert and said uh, she didn't think that his feather idea would work, that it would go into a fatal spin and break apart. And it was kind of weird that she'd jump in there and, you know, to have an opinion. But Bert just shot back and said, we've already done subscale RC model testing and it works just fine. <laughs> <laughs> and and all, we, all he had is my, my model, you know. So, <laughs> so how much do you Proof think concept. your model really uh, vindicated that design? Were there enough parallels that you, do you think it was actually practical? Um, I, th- I think it helped confidence. Right. Um, I mean, there's still the supersonic reentry part, you know, that was still kind of unknown. Mm-hmm. And that was studied with CFD, and that was determined to be okay. Is that computational fluid dynamics? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, the whole the whole program was there are a lot of unknowns, and and yeah. But at one point, Bert admitted that he had to always exude confidence. <laughs> you know. Oh boy, I see those air quotes right there. <laughs> Exude confidence. A certain amount of showmanship, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And 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 it makes sense. I mean, he had, he had to, right? Yeah. 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 You can't go around saying, "Yeah, it's all going to fall apart. It's all going. They're all going to die." But well, right anyways. <laughs> Have fun, guys. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't work. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's already enough stress on the program. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the good news is, it did work, and you guys won the X Prize. It did. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. But every every flight was real stressful. I mean, well, I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, there's something went wrong. It seems like on, on every every flight, like uh, Brian Benny landed it real hard one time and collapsed the gear. Um, that, didn't, that doesn't sound like it'd be too bad. But you know, there's still 200 you know, psi in the, in the in the nitrous nitrous tank that it could have you know, ground through the belly and you know puncture the tank. And I mean. So, but that that did, did not happen, thank goodness. And another flight, uh, the the tail stalled. So Mike now Mike Mivel's in this deep stall, and he's able to, to slice out of it, you know, uh, directionally and, and get 
get the speed back up again. And then another flight, uh, mic's up real high, and we lost radio contact, and we don't know if this mic unconscious. Or, you know, it's, it's one thing after another, you know. And so it's the first time I've experienced, you know, butterflies, <laughs> you know, for a flight test, you know. And and also, I, did, I didn't, I've done a lot, at that point, I'd been with Scale about 13 years, so I'd done a lot of, you know, composite structure, but I remember one Saturday, you know, Bert's usually there on Saturdays, easy to walk in and talk to him. And I said, uh, Bert, you know, we have this rocket motor back there that's rumbling away. It's a huge energy density that's shaking the airframe. I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to do to, to the composite structure. You know, Bert says, well, look, you know, the, the rocket motor is just, you know, suspended in silicone. So, you know, so it's going to damp out before it gets to the airframe. And, and when you're in space, you know, the acoustic vibration doesn't really transmit. And, you know, he's kind of making this stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, it sold me. I was, I was like, okay, yeah, that's, that's great. Good stuff there. The Framistat will interface with the uh, inverse phase inverters. You'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. But, but, I mean, the fact that I made him aware of it and the fact that he confidently, you know, put my, my, my fears to risk, rest, rest, I uh, said, all right. So... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Man, that sounds like that. In a way, it was a lot of fun doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> After it was over, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you got lots of lots of butterflies, but <laughs> that's really interesting work to work at the, the bleeding edge of with prototypes and, and at the uh, as uh, we were all airplane lovers, and just to see uh, you know to work for a company that's known for basically coming up with the most unusual and interesting designs ever and, and being part of the design process of that is uh, that's just uh i'm an envy no, thanks so at the time you don't always appreciate it but but um i mean the shapes are so so weird like the white knight you know is a, is a really, really strange shape and yeah i felt like i was i felt like i was working on a star wars movie set you know <laughs> Is, are there little hidden emblems on there for the Empire or for the Rebels? Little stickers? <laughs> <laughs> Darth Vader was here or something? That, yeah, it would have been a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you have much involvement in the, the big one now, the big beast that they have? Um, I forgot what it's called. Uh, Stratolaunch? Stratolauncher, yes. Uh, Stratolaunch, yeah. Um, what, yeah. What can you tell us before you have to kill us? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, you know, it's a pretty open program. I mean, um, I was assigned to do the cabin structure on that one, the nose, where they pretty much took like a 747 you know, flight deck and then put it into a composite shell. And the windows, the windscreens are all from a 747. To, to be honest, and I'm really being honest, I, I, I kind of had the easy job. You know, the, cab, the cabin is a pretty straightforward structure. But the guys that had to do the wing and the wing to fuselage interface and the tail, I mean, that, that, that was really hard. That looks like a mechanical nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not easy. Yep. Wow. Now, are you just working on the mothership now? You're not working on the actual spaceship? Is, did I misunderstand that? Uh, yeah, right now, Strato Launch is it's just this huge mothership. Okay. That they, um, right now, they said that they might drop some, uh, several like uh, Pegasus uh, OSC uh, rockets to put satellites up. Okay, so I didn't know. I didn't know if there was an assigned spaceship to go underneath, but you're, it's more of a universal carrying Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay. but re recently, I saw in the, in the news, um, Paul Allen was public about a, a little miniature, maybe not miniature, but some kind of new space shuttle. I don't. I don't know anything about it. Hmm. 
Interesting. Have Black. you built a model of uh, Straddle Launch? I, I have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What are you? Are you towing banners behind it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no, no. Yeah, yeah. Now, now they have yeah. Spaceship Two, too. I understand, which is a much bigger version of Spaceship One, right? Uh, yes. For carrying crew. Yes. And, and um, that's been handed off. Yep. Yeah, that's for paying passengers uh, suborbital. Um, that customer is. You know, Virgin Galactic or Richard Branson's company, and that's that's been totally handed off to them now. So we don't have any, anything to do with it. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Will will that? What does Strato Launch offer connection for Spaceship Two? Yeah, it's, it gets kind of confusing because there's three motherships. <laughs> Wait, there's three? <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? There's yeah. There's the White Knight, the original White Knight that dropped Spaceship One, and now that's hanging up in Paul Allen's museum up in Seattle. And then, and then there's number, uh, number two, um, mothership that's bigger, which is in house we call it T Top, um, or White Knight Two, or I think Richard Branson calls it Eve. So that's a bigger, uh, you know, White Knight basically that carries Spaceship Two. And it looks I'm, about fifty percent bigger. Is that a rough estimate? Yeah. Uh, okay. They said it's a wings, wingspan of a B twenty nine. I think I heard. Okay. Um, so it's, it's pretty big. I mean, for us, it was the biggest airframe we'd ever done. Um, it looked huge. And then, and then, the, then the third mothership comes along now, uh, being funded by Paul Allen. Paul Allen, Paul Allen did the you know first uh, Spaceship One. So now he's he's back in the picture with with the third mothership, which is the, the Strato Launch. Yep. I'm surprised you don't have the letters B and A in front of that. <laughs> no, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's I, I, huge. It, it is. It's 385. Uh, foot wingspan bigger than yeah. Spruce Goose. What's the wingspan of your model? Oh, it's only like two feet, maybe three feet. Yeah, oh, it's just, that's tiny. It's just a real simple uh, Depron you know, profile uh, fuselage and, and wing. Um, I was asked to get, give a engineering department talk at one point. I still like can talk whatever I want, you know, whatever I want to say. Um, and uh, my opening <laughs> slide was. Um, Hybrid aliens among us, and how to identify them? <laughs> the what? <laughs> is, is that? I, I have this reputation, you know. So <laughs> that was my first first slide of my talk. <laughs> have they asked you back? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe not. So, but uh, that was a fun talk. You know, I, I mostly went through old skilled programs to the new new guys and interesting structural concepts, and then and the way I ended it was was uh, flying a, a profile of what became a jet that we built for uh, Northrop, a next generation trainer uh, profile jet. So I flew it over the, over the, you know, the crowd, the engineers. Um, that one had like a, one of those mid fans uh, kind of ideas with the propeller okay. in the middle. And that, that, so then I landed it next to a, a door that was, that was a door to a closet. And then next I pulled out my, my strata launch airplane and flew that over, over the group. <laughs> you have a thing for flying over people, don't you? I, yeah, I kind of do. It, it, it keeps their attention. <laughs> live on a wild side <laughs> I'm just going to ask one more question about strata launch and then sure. uh, learn more because I'd like to touch on the IFO story uh, oh. but uh, the last bit of news I've seen on strata launch was like a taxi test is there anything that you can share with us that might be upcoming soon uh, yeah they've done two taxi tests um, there's um, there's a whole bunch of activities for uh, structural reviews and, and getting getting it ready for more yeah, more taxi tests. I, I don't know exactly what the next test is going to be. 
Um, and I don't know if they've announced a potential first flight date. Um, I would think it's got to be by the end of next year and hopefully a lot sooner. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's so big. It looks like you could almost like put a B-29 in between those two. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, you, could, you, you could haul off, you know, a B-29 across the country. Just to That's, oh, yeah. Give it less airtime. <laughs> yeah. That's also yeah. hauling a, a, an X-1. Yeah, that's right, right, right. You know, it's funny. Um, I've um, I've done a lot of a lot of the artwork for Skilled, including uh, I designed the Skilled logo. Oh, cool! And, and I've you know, done a bunch of you know, uh, like the Christmas cards for twenty years and T-shirts and coffee cups. But um, one of the one of the Christmas cards that I did one year, you know, we have three motherships. So I had the big mothership dropping the little mothership dropping the little mothership dropping Santa. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's great. Love it. So. Hey guys, that sounds like a great giveaway, doesn't it? If we can get one of those Christmas cards. <laughs> have Dan sign it. That looks that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I actually I have some extra ones, yeah, sure. Oh, oh yeah. See. Uh, I got to sign up for that contest. <laughs> oh. Right, I I'm sorry. We have to stick on Strata Lunch for a minute. I have a couple of questions. Sure. So this thing is so huge. Do they have to modify the runway out there to, to fly this thing? Uh, no. They're well. Actually, they might have lengthened the runway, but but the width is the same. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Last question. Um, Scaled's reputation is, I guess, built on them being a small company and being very agile and doing their thing. Right. On a project this huge, did did they get forced to become more mainstream? Or were they able to kind of stick to their old method of doing things? That's a great question. Um, I, need, I should be careful how I answer this. Beep! Ninja steps out behind the curtain, the dart goes in Dan's neck. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have for Dan. I know. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> well, I think one thing that, that Skeldon maybe didn't anticipate was the length of the program because you know generally the the prototypes are t they, they take a year year and a half you know this one's gone on for like five years yeah and yeah that's understandable it, it happens a lot well yeah. yeah i think the normal aviation business that would be no big deal right yeah yeah exactly but skills also known for not documenting document documenting their work very well so, because <laughs> <laughs> oh, I edit that oh, one out. It's always changing. It's always improving. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so the old style of you know working is scaled. I mean, so an engineer leaves and goes somewhere else, and then we're, then we're trying to figure out what the heck he was thinking and what was what, what he was doing. And so there's some there's some inefficiency there. I'm trying to pick up, yeah, you know, the, the the kind of uh, attrition, you know, any company has. Sure. Um, and it's and in general, it's just a. You know, it's just a huge airframe where people are afraid to go up, you know, up on the scaffolding to even work on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I think it's a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we can leave it at that. I don't want to make you dig a hole. <laughs> so, <laughs> I tell you, once it flies up, I think the morale is going to shoot way up. I mean, everyone, oh, yeah. Right now, everyone, to be honest, is, is pretty darn tense right now at scaled. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Well, that's impressive. It's really good. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So, so Lee touched on something. Uh, you used to run your own company selling model airplanes. It was, um, it was called Wild RC, if I remember correctly. Right. And you sold something called the IFO, which I don't remember right. what that means. What did IFO mean? Oh, it's just real simple. 
indoor flying object. Oh, okay. Well, recall, this is years ago, and this was one of really the first highly aerobatic indoor uh, RC plane. And this is back in the old NICADs and brushed motor days. So this was really a, an accomplishment. And uh, can can you give us a, a kind of a brief history of the IFO and how you how you designed that thing and brought it to market? Thank you very much, Fitz. I mean, like that's been totally forgotten that history. Uh, that's that's really accurate. Yeah. Um, and where that came about was you know working at scale composites where in the high desert where you get you know it's a, you know fifty mile an hour winds are not uncommon. Yeah, you know, and an RC guy desperately wants to fly, you know, RC. You know. <laughs> and he got a big hanger. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, can I point out, this is not because he had to, I mean, excuse me, not because he was just looking for something to do, but it was a necessity. As an RC guy, I have to fly, thus the IFO. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's pretty pretty true. So, you know, electric, of course, makes sense indoors. And, and Hobby Lobby International back there sold some pretty interesting uh Electric airplanes. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I got to laugh because his first one was a gas-powered indoor IFO. That didn't yeah. go too well with his, <laughs> his cubicle buddies. So hey, electric. Everybody went deaf with the 049 powered one. Yeah, no, any better. No. So I bought one of their electric airplanes, and, and it it's really cute. But it, it, I forget what it was, like a Demoiselle, maybe. Mm, yeah, um, but it, it didn't fly very well. And uh, there's NICAD batteries and, you know, of course, the, the brushed motors and everything was just real basic. And um, it's, it's a little bit frustrating for me. So I started making my own, you know, you know playing with, you know, carbon rod airframes. I was, I was a fan of the old, uh, you know, like the Chinese combat kites that had strange bows in the front. Hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, which which might have been an inspiration. So I like the, the boat kind of leading edge. Yeah. So... So I just started working with the different airframe ideas. Uh, I, th- I thought keeping the light was was most critical. So I had all these guy wires everywhere, like a whole like spider web of of, of string, trying to k- use mi- minimal carbon rods. And I remember my the first IFO, it just in the air just warped and crashed. Yeah. So I, so it seemed like okay, this is going to take some work. So I, I I put it on the shelf for a while and for for months actually. Um, and, and in the meantime, I was flying just real simple indoor models that had a rudder and elevator that could not do aerobatics, but I was I was a big aerobatic guy. I left flying upside down and rolls and everything. Um, but I eventually got bored of the rudder and elevator, and so, so I re- revisited the the early IFO idea, and um, just trying to figure out what would make what would make it work. And finally, I was, I was able to you know start doing loops and rolls, and you know, started kind of making it work. But I'm still not I'm still not really happy with it. And it was strictly for my own inter- entertainment. Just you know, for kind of what you're saying, it's just a, I'm an airplane guy, and I, I, I need to fly something, you know. And so I was just having a blast. I lived two, you know, two uh, blocks from work, so I could you know go in late at night when no one's there and crash into all the airplanes that are in the hangar. <laughs> so, <laughs> when the boss was away. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Little, little did they know, you know, what happens late at night. <laughs> so, um, also I used. Um, Tony Nakarado down in the LA area was doing this, you know, indoor f- flying uh, kind of club at, the, at one of the local gyms, and, and mostly the club was you know, indoor free flight. And uh, that was that was just an amazing group down there. These real hardcore kind of rubber rubber models, you know, they're just beautiful, and and uh, it was it was a great venue to bring my RC, you know, the the early IFO down to see if 
just to, to kind of gauge whether there's any interest in, in the idea. And in case there was, I prepared like, you know, about six, seven kits that if people wanted to buy them, you know, they could, they could buy them. And by today's IFO, that was a really, really crude design with that was pretty fragile and kind of, it's kind of ridiculous, really. Um, but before I even got to, to demonstrate the IFO, people had already bought the kits. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, wow. so that was interesting. And a lot of the, a lot of that crowd down there are the uh, Air Environment Group too from Pompano. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was a pretty pretty interesting group. So anyway, I remember uh, everybody landed. I took off for my first demonstration with the IFO down there. Went up, did an outside loop. Everybody just laughed because they'd never seen an outside loop. You know, with an RC model, they, they couldn't believe it. And I, and I do, did a few rolls. It was a night cat, so I didn't have a lot of duration. And I came back and landed, and just everybody broke out in, into applause. It was like, and then Tony Nakarado, that had his own, it was called TNA Hobby Shop down there. He pulled me to the side and wanted to market it, and, you know, he got all excited about it. <laughs> so so it's, um, that's kind of where it, where it started. Wow. Um, I was, I said, well, it looks like there might be people interested in this. So... Um, somehow I got a hold of Jim Martin from Hobby Lobby International and I wanted Jim to carry it in his catalog since he kind of carried eclectic things back then and so he and I were in negotiation and Jim, you know, I learned a lot about business from Jim Martin uh, since, since then we've, we've stayed really really good friends but uh, Jim Martin says, okay, I'll, I'll carry your IFO in my catalog but I want, I want to be the distributor you can't sell directly to, to dealers and I said, oh, man, because that, that cuts all the, all the profit margin out. But now it has to be really oh. cheap to sell to him for him to be able to, in turn, sell it to the you know, de- you know, dealers. Right. So, but I, I agreed with Jim. I said, okay, we'll, we'll do that. And, um, and he'd order like 30 or 60 kits at a time. And so, you know, we're madly making all these kits in the you know, dining room table or in the garage. And, you know, <laughs> so it, it became into a sort of this mass production. Um, and then... Um, I noticed that it, it became kind of a, a like a, a craze back then. It's like it's like you could you could hardly not pick up a magazine, and there was not something about the iPhone there, you know. And it's really really picking up, and, and I started getting overwhelmed with emails, like people asking about this and and real, like real basic things that I would leave out of the instructions. It was confusing everybody, and and uh, so I was constantly. You know, putting out different versions of the iPhone, and, and it, I, was, I was overwhelmed with uh, four to six hours a night answering emails. And I noticed on the on the on the forum, some of the forum groups, th- th- there were some people obsessed with the design, and, and they were they were becoming more expert than I was on the, <laughs> <laughs> on the design. So so I emailed them and says, "Look, would you mind if I just forward you these emails, and I'll pay you like a dollar and a half for every email you answer?" And they were thrilled to be part of it. So I had these guys that I'd never met or, you know, working for me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you did that. <laughs> that is funny. So, yeah. Um, and, and, then it, and then another interesting phenomenon was just the construction technique was kind of interesting with, like, lashing carbon rods together with Kevlar thread and then covering it like a kite. And, and um, it was, it, so it opened up a lot of different um, experimentation that people were doing. So, so suddenly there was all these kind of morphed IFOs out there that were, you know, like mutations and you guys, you guys were, you <laughs> you know, created it was, a beast. It, it was really fun to watch. Yeah. You know? that's and suddenly there's like these mini IFOs were coming out, like miniature IFOs. And I said, well, I guess there's a marker for that too. So I started, we started making our own mini IFO. And I, and I remember going to Walmart measuring suitcases, like 
what's a you know what's a suitcase size that I, I could fit a you know mini iPhone in. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then we came out with the mini iPhone, and then and then Jim Martin says, well, we want to carry that too, and I told Jim, uh, no, not this time. That you've given me the, the notoriety I needed in your catalog, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with you now. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> so, but he kept selling the Mark III, uh, the bigger one, for quite a while. But we ended up one day I, I tallied it up. We sold over eight thousand uh, iPhones. Wow! You know, worldwide. It's wow, fantastic. And, and I started getting kind of nervous when we, we were getting orders from uh, China. Uh oh. Uh, yeah. And then a few months later, there's a, there's a knockoff coming out of China. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's, that's oh. I figured. That's when that's when you hit it the big time, right? <laughs> yeah. What is it called? Um, uh, what is it? Um, imitation. imitation sincere form. Yeah. yeah. Imitation sincere form flattery. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And, then, and then I got then I, there's another funny story where a friend of mine was going through Singapore and saw a whole bunch of IFLs flying around in Singapore. They're all lighted up, and he says, "Dan, your your plane's even popular in Singapore." And I started kind of following up on that, and there was the, we we had a really active IFO dealer in Singapore. They were selling our kits. And it turned out that there was a guy over there that um, claimed to have invented the IFO in Singapore. <laughs> and was, was selling them. It's, oh, my goodness. So I read this article, and the article said that he'd, he'd been working on this, on this, this design for like three years, and, and this is what's come to, and, it's, and he's really proud of the design. And I'm thinking, oh, and, and the article said that he was mad that China was copying him. <laughs> <laughs> From Singapore. Wow. So arrogant. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't, I never wrote back to him, but I, I told the dealer over there what was going on. And, and, and recently, I think you can find an article now where now he says that he gives credit to, you know, the Wild RC, the IFO. So that was nice. That's funny how that works. Did, did, he, did he backtrack? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the drawback of creating something that's so elegantly simple that, that it's more conceptual than skill-based on building the thing. So Right, right. It's easy to copy. Yeah. Oh, I remember Sal from North Five. Maybe you shouldn't say this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know Sal? He's not in business anymore. Uh, that's what you, you, know, know. you know Sal? I know of him. Uh, I don't know him personally. Uh, I know yeah. he was an interesting character. Oh, you're not kidding. Not him by yeah. reputation. But somehow he got my, my phone number at scale. And he calls me up, and, and and he's insistent on selling through Northeast Sailplane, the IFO. And I said, sorry, Sal, that you know I have an agreement with uh, Jim Martin. I can't do that. And then Sal says, well, we can easily copy your design. I said, well, that's true. It's pretty easy to copy. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what I can do about it. And then uh, he, he was suggesting I change this and change that about the design that he didn't like. <laughs> and then wow. so then, <laughs> and then and it was a few months later, I, I did change the design, but it was just I, I kept the same plan form, but but changed the tail from balsa wood to carbon rods and make it more robust. So then Sal calls me back and says, "Well, I see you took my suggestions, you know, <laughs> by, by, by by increasing the wingspan, you know, a higher aspect ratio." And I said, "No, Sal, it's the same plan form, just a different tail." And uh, but, but man, what an attitude! <laughs> yeah. So here's here's what I kind of learned is that I I really like the the model the modelers. You know, whenever there's a problem, I trusted them 100%. You know, the problem with the kit, I, just no question. You know, I'd send, send them a new kit or fix what was wrong. You know, I, I really began, I really loved the, the modeling community. It was it was the guys that were in business that I, you know, I, I got to watch. You know, I, like Todd Long was a little bit aggressive too. I like Todd. I mean, I was careful with him and he ended up selling our kits for us, you know, for a while. But it's interesting. It's a great experience. Well, well, despite that, you decided to try it again with your Kickstarter. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. As someone who's also done a Kickstarter, I know probably what you went through. Um, yeah. But, but do, you, do you feel inclined to talk a little bit about that, uh, what, what you had planned? Sure. Um, because the notoriety of, of the uh, IFO, which opens up, opens up a lot of doors, which is pretty cool. Um, by the way, including doing the halftime show at the at TLC in Las Vegas. Oh, cool! Yeah. Which, that was like a really early TLC. I got a call from somebody that says, "Your IFO is so unique." Sorry, I'm kind of regressing, but um, we like we'd like you to fly at the halftime show at at, uh, at the TLC in Las Vegas. And outdoors, outdoors, and, and demonstrate. And I, and I said, "Okay," and I, and I vaguely knew what TLC was. So we go over there with the IFOs, and I'm watching like th- these guys like Chip Hyde and Jason Shulman, and like and and um, uh, the guy working uh, uh, out, of, out of Argentina, uh, um, Kike. Yeah, Kike, Kike, Kike yeah. yeah. And I've seen these guys fly, and I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you fly an IFO. Just, just do that oh. outside loop, and you're done. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, I was like, I felt so out of place. And then, so the halftime show starts up, and I go up and, and do my, you know, we had, it was, it was choreographed music, and it was, pre, it was pretty cool, and I'd been practicing, you know, practicing it, and I thought I had a pretty good routine, you know, and I, I could do this kind of like falling leap kind of maneuver that was kind of unique that I hadn't seen any, anybody do, where you can kind of whip it back and forth in, in pitch, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty cool. So after, after our, our first halftime show, this, some guy walks up to me and says, I want to buy your airplane, and I said, okay. Uh, sure, but I need it for tomorrow's, you know, Sunday's demonstration. But after that, yeah, we'll talk. And then I asked somebody, who is that? They just walked up to me and said, oh, that's Chip Hyatt. He's the, the current champion. <laughs> I said, really? Holy cow. So I go back to Chip, Chip and says, you can have our airplane. <laughs> no, no, he said the price just went up. <laughs> <laughs> you can have yeah. it if I can use your use your, your picture in, in our ads. You know? Ah, ah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chip now, was this before too. the gassers and nitroplanes were able to hover? Yes. Okay, so it truly was a novelty, especially for those guys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, this is like fifteen, twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a big novelty. That's what surprised me. And then in the next year, uh, this time the, the judges all wanted to have their own IFOs for the, uh, next year. And uh, so then <laughs> the halftime was with all the judges and me flying our, our IFOs. <laughs> And what was cool about that is, well, that night we went to like a private hangar, and we're all flying iPhones in this private hangar, you know. So this it's just an amazing period of time. <laughs> and bouncing off the airplanes in there. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And to put it in perspective, we're still talking brush two eighty motors on a gear drive with nightcats. I might have had nickel metal hydrides. Okay, well, it's round cells. But, yeah, I think there were still brushed motors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's a good question. Um, and then I forgot where we were leading into after that. The Kickstarter. Oh, yeah, Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, because of the iPhone notoriety, one of the guys from uh, Airhawks contacted me. And, um, really? Wow. And I was trying to trying to develop a, a couple of products uh, for Airhawks mm. that never quite made it off the ground, but almost. Um, and then he kind of broke away from Airhawks and said, "Hey Dan, I think 
I have an idea that I'd like to team with you uh, to, to, to start this routine RC thing. So he um, had the connections in China for production was the idea. I would do the, the, the model prototyping and basically have Bert Rutan's guidance overall. So there were the three of us were, you know, were in the company. And so, um, so that turned into a, you know, a Kickstarter eventually, but we were trying different ways of raising, raising money for that. Um, was, this was just a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. A few years ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was fun for me about it was I was, I was really push, pushing my, my modeling skills to, you know, take what was off the shelf and try to develop, you know, models that, that performed well, but by my standards that, that I would find acceptable for a model airplane guy. Um, and then figure out how to get them, you know, mass produced in China. But that was kind of, uh, Jeff's, you know, job, our partner. But it, boy, it was, you know, it never, I, I enjoyed doing that, but it really kind of never went anywhere. And, and kind of what was happening, I, I think as part of it was China's, you know, factories were kind of changing where it's not, it's not easy to find a, a factory over there anymore. They can do, do that, that level of skill. And, the, and, and, you know, we were looking at like, what does, what does Horizon Hobby do? And what are their, you know, factories over there? And you, you can't break into them. They're so protected, you know, and there were other factories over there we were, we were talking with and we sent them a CAD model of like a long easy and they sent us the prototype of what they built. And it was, it was, I was so disappointed. It was so poorly built. You know, and, I, and I, it's like I was astonished that they were proud to send send this to us. You know, hmm. so I sent I sent them my prototype of what I expected, and they said, "Oh yeah, okay, whatever." It's like it, it, there's, there's some kind of disconnect that I, I, I couldn't figure out. You know, the, the resources to sort that out, for, for, you know, for someone to go over there, sit with them, and you know, and we're and it's all in speculation. You know, no one's getting paid for anything. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, so after dumping several thousands of dollars into it, or more than that, and, and just a, lot, a huge amount of my time and buying all these materials and batteries and ducted fans and you know I, I had a blast but but I'm you know I'm not making money so right. so it's it's on it's on a hold quote unquote for now oh so it's not necessarily dead no um, okay it's uh, so if you get a sugar daddy to come along that's willing to finance the thing it, it could still happen I, I, yeah I mean but I mean, the, the key question is: Would I put my own money into it? Right. And I wouldn't. I'd have to understand a very clear path for me to do that. I mean, as you know, as you guys know, the whole scope of modeling's kind of changed. I mean, kids, they you know, would rather watch you know video games or play games rather than build stick and tissue models. And you know, the bon -pa hobby shops are disappearing. And I mean, is there a market for it? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. I I think it's hard to make money in the RC business, especially if you're talking about stuff that has to get manufactured overseas. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, and like you've already experienced, your your time frame before the inevitable clones start coming out is ever shorter. Yeah. 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 And you got to make sure there's a market for what you want. You know, is there a market for these types of models or not? That justifies the cost and development. Yeah. Uh, one thing that kind of heartened me on the on the Kickstarter campaign though is. I was, I was amazed how much interest there was. Yeah, you know, we, were, we were shooting for two hundred and twenty thousand, and we got one hundred and ten thousand in orders. Yeah, some of that was mine. I contributed to your Kickstarter. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so where's my Aries? Do you have an Aries jet, and can I have it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no. 
Mm. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, maybe we can find a way to revive it. And I, I, I'd certainly be interested in some of the Rutan's uh, uh, designs as a model airplane, definitely. Uh, I do have a Long Easy that was made by one of, one of those. I think Nitroplane sold it yeah. at some point. I yeah. do have yeah. one of those that I fly every once in a while, the, the big 40 cool. size one. So I'm definitely so, a fan. Cool. Did Bert ever have issue with models of his designs being produced? No, um, it's a, that's kind of a funny story. Um, in Bert's mind, he's he's really really casual about that kind of thing. He, you know, the more the merrier. The, the more you know, every model is in, in, increases his notoriety. You know, uh, but when it came to, down to start maybe selling models, uh, there was kind of a, a lawyer friend in the group that was that I kind of had mixed feelings about. But he was he was sending warning letters out to some guys that were trying to make models. Hmm. Because um, there's been several I, models over the years. There's one uh, right. kit from back in the '80s, I think. It was one. Yeah. Uh, and of course, there's several R's since then. I think there's a Defiant model too. Uh, yes, there is. There's a Defiant model. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if they were officially licensed or not. Never really thought about it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think any of them were. Mm. But, but you know, I remember reading that that, that letter from uh, Lockheed about somebody copying a P-38, you know, and a cease and desist letter from a Lockheed lawyer, from a, from a, just a model guy like us trying to, you know, build a model and sell it, you know. And boy, that that really... That never it, seemed to make any sense. We're talking about something that's, so what, 70 years old? I would I think agree. patents would run out long before, you know, that shouldn't be an issue. Right. And those are government that, contracted, weren't they, too? Yeah, that, that 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 letter incensed me, and, and I never want to work for Lockheed because <laughs> of, <laughs> of that. Yeah, yeah there's just been some issues with Lockheed in, in the past, and uh, maybe to an extent Boeing too, maybe. But uh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, Boeing went after a guy that had a foam seven forty seven. Oh yeah, so I remember that. I heard, heard I heard his story firsthand from him. Yeah. Wow! Wow! Yes, yes, Dan. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been fantastic. Uh, Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we're really great. Like I said, it's good talking to you again. It's great going through uh, your personal history with models and with scale composites, which continues to make headlines even today. So uh, it's it's great to be sort of, or uh, at least talk to someone who's been part of some uh, aerospace history. Uh, and we really, uh, I think, enjoy just talk with you and. Definitely want to like to have you back. And well, oh, go ahead. Might be might be one last thing. Um, scale. Any anybody that applies to scale, they, they they closely look at their modeling background. Seriously. Really. Oh yeah. 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 All right. Time for a career I'm change. <laughs> I don't know if I want to move to California, but <laughs> yo, that's a whole other story. <laughs> Dan, you've been a great guest. Thanks so much. Hopefully, we'll thank we'll, you. We'll cross paths sometime in, in the flesh, please, some, yeah. somewhere. I, I look forward to it. Hopefully, in uh, in some show or something. I think Lee and I were talking about getting around to different shows more around the country at some point. So good. Uh, so I don't know if you do you, if you travel out much outside of California or you kind of kind of just stay locally there. Well, well, Terry's trying to talk me into coming out to the Neat Fair. Oh, there we go. I think Lee and I were talking about going to Neat as well. Yeah, we're talking about going too. Can you bring your flying car? Oh, did I take it off? <laughs> <laughs> the bipod. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, all right then. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll see you next time on the next episode of the RC Roundtable. Cheers. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts. Where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.